and welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma, and this is a podcast where I talk about books. But can we just talk about how I go, my name, instead of just being like, my name is Emma. I'm like, my name is Emma. I just thought about that. I can't even do it as, like, shrill, maybe, as I had in the intro. But anyways, welcome to my podcast. Like I said, I'm Emma. This is I Read a Book Once. And this is a podcast where I talk about books. Today, I'm going to be talking about Tell Me Three Things by Julie Buxbaum. Buxbaum? I don't know. I didn't look up how to say her name, even though I promised I would last episode. This is a YA novel about a teenage girl dealing with grief, but also about the fact that an anonymous boy from her school is sending her messages. She's kind of feeling him. And But who is this guy? So that's what this book is about. Um, it came out in 2016, and I've had this book I don't want to say since 2016, but I've had this book for a long time. And I think this was, this was either my third or fourth time reading it. I'm not really sure how many times I've read it, but I have read it multiple times. So this was a reread for me. And part of the mystery of the, or part of this book is the mystery of who SN is or somebody, nobody, i.e. the person she's talking to, but doesn't know who it is. And going through this, I already knew who it was. And so I can't share with you my original thoughts when I read this book because I have now read it multiple times. However, I will be sharing my thoughts, opinions, and feelings about this book. It is a good one. I mean, you don't reread a book you didn't like, and I really enjoy this one. And it was exactly what I needed. Super lighthearted. I was trying to read The Keeper of the Night, which was my November book of the month pick, and I literally got two pages in, and I had to set it down. And the reason for that is just that the main character in that book at the within two pages I am going to read it hopefully that will be next week's episode was just very cavalier about death and what comes after death and my grandmother recently passed away and so that felt mm, uncomfortable to read and so instead I was like I need something really light and fluffy and I love this book so I picked up tell me three things which is one of the great things about YA is that it can just make you really happy, especially YA that you've read before and you know you like it. However, I forgot about the fact that the main character is dealing with the fact that her mother has passed away and that her stepbrother is also dealing with the fact that his father passed away and that is how their parents met. So it was kind of sad on that. Um, also, a brief trigger warning that there is a character in the book that you never meet but is talked about that has passed away from drug abuse. So if that is triggering for you as well, it is something that is discussed, but never like, uh, you never see it. So I would say a light trigger. I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing, but just wanted to provide that warning for you. The other warning is a spoiler alert warning. I'm going to spoil this book for you. So if you don't want Tell Me Three Things to be spoiled, stop here, go read the book. If you like YA, or if you just want something lighthearted, this is a great one and then come back and listen to this episode. So without further ado, let's get into the plot summary because I still haven't packed and I have a flight tomorrow morning and I need to shower and I need to edit my friend's resume. So I got a lot to do. Is that gonna make this plot summary go any faster? Probably not. So like I've already said, the main character, her name is Jessie, didn't say her name before, but that's her name. And at the beginning of the book, her and her father have recently moved from Chicago all the way to LA because her dad, met this woman on a grief support group and then they fell in love and eloped 
um, when he was supposedly at a conference for being a farm pharmacist, but no, he actually eloped with her in Hawaii. And now they, Jesse and her dad have moved and moved in with Rachel, her stepmom, and her stepbrother, Theo. And life is not good. Jesse's mom passed away from cancer two years previously. And so she's still dealing with the grief of the fact that her mom is gone. But more pressingly is the fact that her dad has moved her halfway across the country. She has no friends and she has been thrown into a crazy school. It is an elite private school. Think about like the most LA private school you could think of. Like not religious-y, but like they're so rich and there's some crazy stuff and they have class outside and things like that. And there you go. And life is hell. There's these mean girls, specifically this girl, Jem, who keeps making fun of her. She doesn't have any friends and her stepbrother won't be her friend either. So she's sad. And one day she gets an anonymous email from somebody called Somebody Nobody, who I'll just be calling SN from now on because that is how this person is referred to. And originally she's like, who's messing with me? Is this Theo? Is this like somebody from home? And they exchange just a few messages and she like ignores them. It's like, whatever, this was weird. And then a week later, and life is still sucking. She doesn't have any friends. Her dad is not around for her to talk to at all. He's always going out for dinner with Rachel and like looking for a job and things like that. So she reaches out and she's like, bro, I need some help. And he's like, why don't you become friends with this girl, Dream, Adriana, who goes by Dream. And so she does end up reaching out and they do become friends and she becomes friends with Dree and Dree's friend, Agnes. And so, yay, she has some friends now. But also she gets this job at a bookstore uh, book out below with an exclamation point and um, ends up meeting this guy Liam who's a senior she's a junior and he's in this band called wait for it Orgasmville or Oville which is kind of funny considering my last name anyways yeah it's called Orgasmville which really that was a choice that was a choice Anyway, so they sort of are kind of becoming friends, but he's popular and the boyfriend to the girl who's bullying her. Also, meanwhile, they have a semester-long English project about the wasteland by T.S. Eliot, and she ends up becoming partners with the guy who sits behind her, Ethan, who's maybe a bad boy. He always wears the same Batman t-shirt every single day, and he looks very troubled and very sleep-deprived and maybe like a rock star, maybe. And he's got all the girls following him around. And Jesse's kind of like, mm, he's kind of hot, but also I'm not sure how I feel about him. Because originally he's like, I'll just do the project for you. We don't need to talk. You'll get an A. And she's like, absolutely not. So then they end up kind of working together and she starts crushing on him. And then her and SN continue to correspond, but they move from email messages to instant messages, IMing. No, no cell phone numbers are exchanged, okay? And But they IM. I don't actually know how you I am on a phone, but I guess you can do that. And so they end up becoming really good friends and sharing things with each other. And she keeps being like, why can't we meet? And he's like, I'm not ready. Things will change, blah, blah, blah. And he says he's a boy. But at one point, she thinks it might be her stepbrother, Theo. And throughout the book, the two of them start developing a relationship. Theo's dad died from lung cancer about a year previously. And he's also dealing with that. He's also gay. And so, like, he's not not really getting a bunch of bullying from that, but he has in the past, and that is just a part of his personality. I personally think Theo was written as gay, so we don't have people, like, thinking about a weird relationship between step-siblings. I really think that's why, but 
whatever. I did enjoy Theo. Um, her and her dad get in a huge, big blow-up fight. And then she also ends up meeting this guy. She goes to a party to see Oville play because Liam invites her, whatever, whatever. And she ends up seeing this guy named uh, Caleb. And he's texting at the same time she's texting. And, like, maybe that's SN. And she's, like, becomes convinced that's him for whatever reason. And asks him out to coffee, like, another time. But then he kind of blows her off. And she's like, what the heck? And Jem's bullying increases. And she's like, Liam, your girlfriend sucks. And then she's going to go to coffee with Caleb. And then Caleb is like, uh, you know, Liam broke up with Jem because he likes you. He's going to ask you out. And she's like, whoa. And the other thing is that Dree has this huge crush on Liam. So it's like, ooh. And also throughout this whole time, she has this best friend from home named Scarlett, who she has been texting and things like that throughout about her life. And her life is really sucking. So Rachel and her dad buy her plane tickets to go back to Chicago for a random weekend. It's not, I don't know, it's probably in October or November, but not Thanksgiving, okay? So she goes back there and Scarlett's all mad at her and her life is blowing up because she thinks that Caleb is SN and SN doesn't want to meet her. So she's depressed about that. Her and her dad are still fighting, things like that. She thinks her her friendship with Dree and Agnes is going to be over if Dree finds out that Liam maybe likes her. So she's putting all this like stuff on um, Scarlett and Scarlett's like, shut up. You are being a horrible friend because you haven't asked me how I am in the months you've been gone. And I, we were like best friends and had no other friends. And now I have no friends and I have this boyfriend and I maybe want to sleep with him, but I can't, I don't know, like all this stuff. Then they end up making up and SN sends her all these messages because they get drunk one night and, um, yeah. And so she like sends messages to him, like, why don't you want to meet me? Blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, you know what? Yes, let's meet. She goes back and they're going to meet on a Wednesday. On Monday, she's meeting with Ethan about her project and she's talking to Ethan about Le- Ethan about Liam and Liam or Ethan is like, say no. Like, if you don't want to go out with him, just say no. And then she's like, maybe Ethan is SN, which would be great because she's in love with both of them. So like that would really just kill two birds with one stone. So then her and her dad make up the next day and her dad's like, yeah, I've been kind of shitty. And we're like, yeah, no kidding. You've been kind of shitty. And then she's going to the IHOP because they're going to meet at IHOP for whatever reason uh, to meet. And she's sitting down and Liam walks in and she's like, her heart like drops. She's like, I can't believe Liam is SN. Dre has given her the go ahead to like, if that's, if Liam is SN, then you can go out with him. Like, whatever, I'll get over it. He sits down and he asks her out and she's just kind of stalling. She doesn't know what to do because she doesn't like him that way. She doesn't even really like him that much in general. He's like, oh, Jesse's such a good listener. But she's like, not really. I mean, he just talks a lot, like whatever. And so then Ethan and Caleb come in immediately following. Oh my God. And now she's confused and Liam's like trying to have her ask, ask her out and get an answer. And Ethan's like, wait, no. And he sends her a text. It turns out he was SN all along. And she's like, bye, Liam. I don't care about you. I'm in love with Ethan. She doesn't say that, but she's like, it's Ethan. It's always been. Then Ethan sits down and then they have a three longer, three, three longer, three hour long date at the IHOP. And it turns out that like part of this whole thing of like why she, people were, her stepbrother Theo was like, Ethan's damaged, whatever, whatever. Turns out last year, uh, Ethan's older brother overdosed on heroin and died so a lot of people think that like he also does drugs 
and he's part of the same band that Liam is in and all this other stuff. So they were all there because of band practice, whatever. And it turns out the lie that he told her was that he had a sister who died instead of a brother who died because that was part of the whole SN conversation, which I kind of skipped over. But that is the basic plot of this book. Honestly, I think I did that in nine minutes. That might be a record, except one time I think I did it in five. However, this might be a record. It is a shorter book, only maybe 330 pages, as is the norm with a lot of YA novels. And I think I went through it a lot really quickly. I kind of gave you the broad strokes instead of the more minutiae stuff like that. But uh, that's okay. I feel like you got the gist of it. I'm not really sure how any of you feel about these plot summaries. Please tell me your opinion. Do you like the plot summary? Do you wish I just read the back of the book? Do you wish I they were shorter? I don't know. Let me know. I just tell you the whole summary because maybe you want to hear it. I don't know. Okay, let's get into it. Let's start off with the thing that really just let's let's talk about Jesse and Theo's parents. Specifically, Jesse's dad and Theo's mom getting married. Now, part of this, reading this now is not a a high schooler. Also, the last time I read this was right around Thanksgiving, uh, my sophomore year of college. So it's kind of timely that I've read this again right before Thanksgiving. Last time I read it right after Thanksgiving, but it's okay. Anyways, reading this now as I'm older and, I mean, wiser, I guess. Now that, I mean, I'm not a parent. I definitely am not a parent of a teenager. But, you know, listening to parents of teenagers talk and things like that, I feel a little bit differently about the the relationship and that like part of it is that parents do deserve to move on and to find love again whether that be after a divorce or in this case after their partner dies their spouse dies but I feel like getting married without your daughter slash son even knowing you were dating somebody and then moving them halfway across the country is a mistake. That I feel like is not something that's generally acceptable for a parent to do. It's all good for a parent to go on dates and eventually get remarried. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, but maybe your child should know you're dating before you get married, especially to somebody who lives in California and you live in Chicago. That just seemed like I don't know what her dad was thinking. Like, he deserves to be happy, but I feel like they could have done long distance for a bit of time, okay? This was not cool. If I somehow was in this situation going back in time and my parents are divorced, or no, I guess one of my parents has died, and then my other parent marries somebody from California, and I have to move, I mean, I don't begrudge Jesse any of her being annoyed and upset with her dad about this. And then her dad has the audacity after they move to completely ignore her in a house where she feels like a guest and an unwanted, unwelcome guest at that. And like, he's never around, always going out to dinners with Rachel, which then they end up fighting about in the middle of the book. It's kind of like a crazy scene. Not crazy, but like, oh my God, I can't believe it. No. Oh my God, this is awful. There we go. And... uh, But then he's also like trying to find this job and they haven't talked in weeks about just like, how's your day? And then he's breaking down one night and she has to comfort him like she's the adult. That's one thing that I really dislike in real life a lot. And then also in books, children are children. They should not be acting as adults for their parents, okay? Like, 
I love my parents and I am here to support them, but I also love that my parents have not made me act as their parent or an adult to them because that is not my job. That is not my role, my responsibility. Jessie is also grieving and her life is arguably worse than his, definitely worse than his. So like that was one of the things that it's like, mm, not a fan about that. It's not, it's not good. It's not a good look. Jessie's life ultimately ends up becoming good by the end of the book. Like, she's got this new boyfriend. She's got friends. Things are things are looking up for her. She's got a friendship sort of with her stepbrother. But what her dad did was messed up. Also speaking of messed up, let's talk about Jessie and Scarlett's friendship. Now, this is another thing that, like, reflecting back on this now, I understand much better now that I'm older and have gone through different friendship troubles and things like that. So basically, I only briefly mentioned Scarlet near the end of the plot summary because she's only really relevant at the end. But throughout the book, there is a lot of social media texting aspects as well as the emails at the beginning. And so like we're seeing the text conversations between Jesse and Scarlet throughout the book. And it's a lot of times Jesse saying like whatever's going on or like my life sucks here. I miss you. I want to be back there. Things like that. And then Scarlet responding. There's some things about like the boy, her boyfriend and like other stuff like that. But for the most part, it's about Jesse. Now, you're reading a book and Jesse's the main character. So while you're reading it, this doesn't seem like out of line. But when Jesse shows up in Chicago, Scarlett's so mad at her. Now, on one hand, I'm like, bro, you've only, you only get to see her three days, like make the most of your time. But on the other hand, if you're mad at her, I get it. But also, when I was mad at my friends and I only had three days to see them, I told everybody else I was mad about it. And then I showed up and I had a good time and I did not talk about it. Is that a mistake? Definitely. Communication is key. You should communicate things like that. Did I communicate? No, I did not. So that did occur, but we're moving on. And I hopefully nobody knows what I'm talking about because that would be awkward to get in trouble talking about my personal life on my podcast. Mm, Yes, that's more backstory about me that none of you need to know. That we don't need to get into that sort of stuff on here. Anyways, so I do understand Scarlett being mad. And then when you like, they talk about it, it makes it like clicks. And you know what? I'm kind of on Scarlett's side because I have been Scarlett in different situations where you have a friend who really is only talking about themselves and they never even ask you how you are. They don't ask you how you are. And friendship should be reciprocal. Now, when one friend is going through a hard time, yes, let's focus on them. Let's take care of business. Let me support you. But also, can you please take 30 seconds out of your day to ask me how I'm doing? Because maybe I'm also doing bad. Or maybe I just want to tell you about the fun thing that happened to me last weekend. I don't know. And so, Scarlett, I respect you. I respect your feelings. And Jesse, let's be a better friend. But also, I get it. Your life was kind of sucking, okay? So, moving on. Let's talk about SN. Who is SN and who are these love interests? Now, the first time I read it, I don't remember who I thought was SN. And I think part of the, like, the genius of this book is that, like, at the beginning, they really got you thinking that maybe SN could be like Theo or could be like a rand like Dree or like some other random person from school right and then halfway through the book she's convinced it's this Caleb guy who's honestly pretty much irrelevant beyond the fact she's convinced it's him and so you're like okay maybe it is him but at the same time 
why wouldn't he want to talk to her in person? Whenever she tries to go up to talk to him in person, he kind of like blows her off. So it doesn't really make sense. And on the other, other hand, this is a YA. This is not real life. This is fiction. And in fiction, obviously, the love interest and the guy you've been talking to anonymously online have to be the same person. So did I know the first time I read it, it was Ethan? Maybe. As I read it more times, it is clear because he talks about like, as SN, he talks about like, he'll tell her who he is once he's brave enough to like, swipe the curl out of her face and tuck it behind her ear or something romantic like that. And at one point in real life, he almost does that. And so as I'm reading it, like a second and a third time, I'm like catching things like that. One thing that keeps you guessing is that SN only types in lowercase with like proper punctuation and stuff like that, which like is different than how Ethan texts in real life because she ends up getting Ethan's phone number. So that's like another thing that's like, okay, it, you're not really expecting it. They're not, they don't text the same way. They don't talk about the same things. Like they've had conversations both in person and online and Ethan's not reacting as though he already knows this information. So I don't know. I can't remember if I knew it was Ethan by the end or not. But like, honestly, if you're reading this YA by the end, you're kind of like, it must be Ethan. But you're also like, what if it's not Ethan? What if it actually is Liam? Liam is not a bad guy, but he's just kind of, I don't, he's not irrelevant, but you just kind of like get out of the way so we can get it on with Ethan. Ethan, who's supposedly damaged. Now he is damaged, but not in a drug way. So we love that. We love that he's not um, addicted to drugs um, because that is not fun. Anyways, yes. What else should I talk about? I guess that's all I want to say about like my thoughts about who SN was, but I do love, I do love an anonymous conversation. So if you want to have an anonymous conversation with me, I'm inviting you right now to send me an email at ireadabookonceblog at gmail.com and we can have our own SN relationship, okay? Now, that would be weird. I don't actually think anybody's going to do it, but I do invite everybody at the end of every episode to send me an email about the episode or DM me on Instagram at I read a book once blog. So am I always inviting an SN relationship conversation with my listeners? Maybe. I mean, I'm just kind of joking. It's kind of funny. But like, I just think the idea of it happening to me is like hilarious because of the fact that this email is out there. So theoretically, it could happen anyways. I was just like, after I finished reading the book, I was like, Emma, you got to make a joke about that. And I think it, the joke kind of fell flat here. But I'm going to leave it in anyways, and you are welcome. I'm soliciting you to email me, please. But the idea of this, I love it, but it's also kind of really creepy. Like, online dating is sort of similar, except for the fact that you have pictures, and you could definitely be getting catfished, as Love Hard taught us, um, the Netflix movie. However, you could also not be getting catfished, and you have some sort of picture in mind, and the fact that, like, you will actually meet versus here. We don't know anything like this could, we don't know. And so like, actually the idea of somebody doing this to you is actually really creepy, except for the fact that this is a YA novel or it's fiction. And in that way, it makes it fun and not weird or creepy at all. Um, But yeah, probably it is weird and creepy, but also I really love it as a premise and uh, the frame that the novel is framed around. I just said frame a lot. Um. Another thing about this book 
is it was really a book that was made to test me and my reading habits. I may or may not have mentioned this before, but I have this really bad reading habit where I will skip paragraphs of description or internal thought monologue and read the dialogue that comes after it or the tech, like something like that, and then go back and then read the stuff that I skipped over because the dialogue really is just like punching out at me. I got to read it. And in this case, there's so many IMs, which is part of the reason that this book is so quick to read is that like some pages don't have that many words because it's just the text conversation back and forth between people. And so I had this bad habit of reading the text conversation and then being like, oh, wait, I skipped these paragraphs of actual important info just to read this text conversation. And so it really did test me. And I failed the test because I did skip and just read those text conversations instead. But I did read all the words. I just like read some of them twice and skipped over some and then had to go back and read them again. Um, okay, two final things to talk about. First, just a side point. Now, I haven't talked about this in a long time, but you may or may not know slash remember my The Medieval Life and Times of Kit Sweetly book, The Life and Medieval Times of Kit Sweetly book that I hated that I read in 2020, the worst, one of the worst books I read that year. Oh, I despise it. Anyways, during that episode, I have a whole section talking about um, making fun of gluten-free people. And so I feel like I should resurrect it because this does happen kind of in this book. And so we're in LA and the whole thing about California is that they eat frou-frou stuff like, oh, the granola, they eat the granola and like everybody's vegan. And then, so like there's basically two different times where they make fun of like gluten-free stuff where it's like pizza shouldn't be gluten-free, which my brother actually does agree with. He doesn't really like to eat pizza anymore because of that. But the whole idea that they're like portraying, they're like presenting onto us is that everything there is gluten-free and I don't live in California, and I've only visited a few times. However, I take offense in that, especially back in 2016. I highly doubt that you were going to call up a pizza place, and they would be like, sorry, we only serve gluten-free pizza. That's not happening, okay? And so that sort of stuff makes me mad for two reasons. First of all, it's false. I live in a city, a popular city, and I have a hard time finding things that are gluten-free to eat here. And so I find, first of all, that it's offensive that you think that it's everything is gluten-free. I'm not saying it's better. It's obviously not better. But, like, let's not do that. And the other thing is that, like, they make fun of it. Like, not necessarily in this book, but in general. It's, like, put forth as though it's, like, a, a fad. Like, a diet fad. Like, oh, only, like, hipsters. Hipsters isn't even a thing anymore. But, like, only hipsters are eating this. Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. And more and more people are getting diagnosed with celiac or gluten intolerance. This is actually a serious issue in something that is, can like people with celiac get seriously sick with things like that happen. And I just don't think it's cool to make fun of things like that. And this is me bringing awareness to this issue because I first of all can speak on it because I am gluten-free myself. And second of all, this is something that I'm more, well, I guess this is the same point that I'm more qualified to speak on it. Well, I can speak on other issues of being mean and prejudice and discrimination. Not that these are instances necessarily of discrimination, but I just want to bring attention to this because it is not very well known. And you should all know that it's mean to say things like that, okay? 
And with that, I think I'm just going to leave it there. Definitely a bit of a shorter episode. However, this was a shorter book. It is a book I have read multiple times, which makes it a bit more complicated to talk about my feelings or easier. I don't know. And I had a short plot summary. So maybe this discussion section was the normal length it normally is. But that is all I want to say about Tell Me Three Things. Next week, I am going to try and read The Keeper of the Night by Kylie Lee Baker, I believe. It is a fantasy novel about a Grim Reaper, half Grim Reaper, half Japanese something. But then she leaves Britain and goes to Japan to try and serve like the Queen of Death there or something like that. And she gets sent on an impossible task. I'm going to attempt to read it. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, I had to put it down because of her attitude towards death. But it's a week later, so maybe I'll feel less upset about it. I don't know. If that is not next week's episode, say la vie. Sorry if you read it because you apparently read along with my podcast. I don't really think people do that, but I mean, you could, theoretically. Anyways, I've already plugged my Instagram and my email, but one more time at I read a book once blog, either just that or at gmail.com and follow me, send me messages, send me, let's have our own SN relationship, whatever. Also, please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast. I would love you forever. It will help other people find it and then they can enjoy this and you guys can discuss my podcast together. What a time you would have. And with that, My name is Emma, this was I Read a Book Once, and I'll catch you guys next time.